Dustin and Kendall run my new favorite podcast. It's called the Idea Drop Podcast. And in essence, it gives you amazing business ideas so you don't have to think of them. You can just go and listen to their show. They come up with really cool ideas and then you can take them. You can turn them into a business and then you don't have to go on Shark Tank and ask for a bunch of money. It's that simple. I found them online. I was like, what is going on with this show? It's very, very cool. These guys are bouncing really cool ideas off each other. And I thought, well, why don't I bring them on the show and ask them about it? So it's Dustin and Kendall from the Idea Drop Podcast this week on Do Did Will, the Story of People podcast. Welcome to the show, Dustin and Kendall from Idea Drop. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure. Thanks for making the time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Yeah, It's I've good been, to be uh, here. It's good to hear you, Kendall. Thanks. Yeah, you know, when technical stuff works, it turns out Chrome is still beating Safari. That's what we learned after 20 Don't you months. run a tech company or something like that? Yeah, and Apple for security and Chrome for features. That's the trade-off. There it is. Okay. I found you guys, uh, like all of us do in this this world of, uh, of the Internet, I was scrolling and this content started coming on board of these guys in a room talking about cool ideas and I'm like, okay, it's just, you know, it's, it, it was, it's cool. And then I, then I saw another clip and then another clip and then it turned into, this is like a bunch of guys. Idea spam. It's idea spam. I, I, it's idea spam. And we all sit around the pub or we all sit around whatever going, you know, what would be cool or this would be cool. And you guys have put it into a show. It's called Idea Drop and I love it. It's my new favorite podcast. So I wanted to get you on because uh, you're in tech, you're in finance, you guys are doing a shit ton of stuff. And this is the Do Did Will podcast. So we speak to people all over the place now. Uh, so welcome to the show. Thank you for making the time. Um, and we'll get into this. So because you guys have such extensive backgrounds in both your fields, generally, I like to ask the three questions of Do Did Will. But you guys have this backstory and then it came into the pod. So I'm going to I want to branch out a little bit here. I'm going to ask you guys, what do you do? <laughs> What do and we do is, now? What do you do? Which obviously you've got the podcast, but then there's other stuff surrounding it that brought you sure. together. So gentlemen, welcome to the show. What do you do? So I'll take a stab first. Um, so I run a, I run a venture community is what we call it. It's a network of companies that we own right now. We own 50% or a hundred percent of each one. Um, and there are nine companies in the group. Uh, although this year we're going to buy our way into five more is the goal. So one a quarter plus a bonus, you know, it was just a stretch goal. Let's throw another one on there. So um, it started from as a software agency called Miramar Tech. Um, we built high-end apps. We built some, some big fancy logistics systems for a billion-dollar supply chain company pre-COVID. And that helped us finance a lot of the other things that we got into. Um, so now we have some marketing agencies that do content or we have an SEO company called, um, called Curated Writers. And we've been doing these deals with operators who we think are quite talented and they build businesses um, with our backing and support. So we're helping them mostly on growth and financing and credit lines, things like that, strategy maybe. It's almost like they get a whole company as their co-founder and then they are operating the business. So we're supporting them. So that's what I'm running. And then Dustin does a whole collection of different things. I will plug before Dustin goes, I also operate a family of seven. So that's, that's, <laughs> a, that's an interesting thing. 
That's, that's great. The full, that's the full-time tech job right there, actually. Let's not be, that's let's right. not kid ourselves. I got two and it's madness. So good yep. on you, man. Yep. Three, three more than two. Yep. Dustin, oh gosh. what do you do? Yeah. Uh, I don't have a family of seven. I actually have just two of us. It's me and my wife. And so I think I sleep better at night and have way more time to do weird things. So Kendall is the guy who's running the world while I'm probably more of a cowboy and I'm just kind of like trying different business ideas here and there as much as I go. Basically that. I mean, so um, I can't give you the did because I think you're, I'm anticipating you're going to ask us that question, but as it all started, then I just started starting businesses because Kindle's like, Hey, let's start this. You should start this. You should start this. And that's led to me doing tons of things. Last uh, month I was helping my sister start a ring business. Uh, this month I'm working on uh, a programming business that I can tell you about a little bit later. Um, but um, so essentially I just start tons and tons of businesses. And then that's led to us uh, working in the community through our podcast. And that is working with other entrepreneurs. So I'm a little bit more involved with that um, on my day to day. And so that's just hanging out with other dudes that are doing the same thing as us. And some of them are even better than us. So that's pretty fantastic. I love it. We did this Zoom call last week with our um, with our community members, and and on short notice, we had six people show up, and we all this like little entrepreneurs chat. And um, of the six of them, five of them had these really interesting entrepreneurial new businesses, but they were all side hustles. So the pattern we're noticing is, you know, there's us. We're like all in. This is mm-hmm. our full time thing. We're yeah. building these businesses, but there's a ton of people that I think we attract in our content who are kind of, they feel enslaved to their current boss or machine that they currently are serving. And then the goal is for them to build up something significant enough for them to quit into. So that tends to be the pattern of people we're working with on ideas. It's fantastic too. We have a huge spread. So we have some people in there that are millionaires running companies that are millionaire companies. And then we even have this kid who's 18 years old, who's already selling out on his first business and it's impressive and intimidating, but it's kind of awesome. So essentially we just get paid to hang out with these guys. He's he's growing microgreens in his bedroom and selling them at the local farmer's market. It's amazing. Digital farmer's market actually. It's pretty cool. And you guys, so I in listening to the pod and in some of the, the intros on the pods, you talk about like, you know, not, not going on, dragon's den or shark tank or something and and just you know doing it doing it your own way however coming out of in canada we had dragon's den which i think was was a uk show and then robert and kevin swit had gone over to to shark tank which has tapped into like everyone's fantasy booking of life right and yeah it's tapped into mm-hmm. everyone's sort of you know ideas and things but you guys formed a podcast uh, obviously old friends best friends that had worked together what how did the pod come together because the idea drop podcast obviously is what put the three of us together here on a show uh, but you've both got extensive backgrounds yeah. but how did that how did the the idea drop come together because it's so, brilliant and, and my new favorite show so i'm gonna hijack this kendall usually tells the story but i want to see if he agrees with my story as well um so here's how it is so uh i left my job about a year and a half ago kendall and i always shoot the breeze because we worked with each other years prior to that and he's like hey we should just start some businesses and so what we would do is every afternoon we'd go sit out by this uh overlook grab a drink and talk about businesses we should start and then i just dropped the idea to him i said hey you know i built out a podcast studio we should go over there and film us doing this and then actually film the businesses that we start and he said what the hell how come you haven't told me this so then we go to the (laughs) podcast studio and then we start doing it and pretty soon it just led to us doing things i mean right after that we shortly bought a business and then we lost a lot of 
many thousands of dollars on that business. And then we started another one. Then we started <laughs> we got one. scammed. <laughs> we totally got scammed. It's pretty bad. Um, but then, yeah, so that's the quick and dirty version of how our podcast started. Kendall, what do you have to add to that? Please, please so, fill in the gaps. So my wife is a professional musician and has done that for 15 years. And Dustin was heavy into production on um, some of the projects that my wife was was doing. And so I met Dustin just as I'm like, what, what do they call that? I'm the roadie. So that there were, there, we'd travel sometimes for, for conferences or stuff like that. And I would literally be working on my laptop, r- running the business. And I met Dustin that way and we became fast friends. He's good to have a beer with. And so when I realized he was so deep into production uh, that he was building out entire studios. And I think he even gave me the black market deal on some free sound dampening material that I use at my home studio. Um, yeah, we just kind of like, Oh, we have everything that it takes to pull this off. I think it'd be really sustainable. So, um, I ended up committing editing resources from company like, Hey, we'll pay for the editing and, and the social media management and, Dustin and I just have to show up and do this thing. And he helped me with the technical stuff. So that was a year ago, roughly. Um, and what we didn't realize is our podcast is actually just a TikTok channel. So we, <laughs> like they we, all are. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Like we didn't see that come. We, we thought like Instagram would be kind of like where most of the marketing for it would come from. Sure. And then TikTok is just, I don't know, 30 X or something. The views how, on the way right 300 X. Why is Gary right all the time, Gary V? Yeah. That's so mean, true. All the time. Gary the got time. my son into Pokemon cards. Don't sleep on TikTok. I, that was his thing. And it's pretty funny uh, yeah. given all the, you know, we're going to shut it down because of China. But it's like it's blowing people up all over the place. Musically, artists, everything. It's it's really yep. the place place to be, uh, which is uh, amazing to to kind of see. And, and But it's so tough to... You know, you're in tech, Dustin. Uh, you're both in tech, but you built this studio. Um, I don't want to get too personal on the financial side of it, but you sit around and you talk about we should start a business, we should do this, mm-hmm. and we should do that. I mean, do you have working capital to start these things? Is it kind of like, like let's cheap, get personal? Cheap, I, I don't cheap care. businesses is we like you give personal. me five hundred. Okay you give me five hundred, and we're gonna buy a bunch of shit on Amazon, and yeah. we're gonna do this because TikTok, on top of all these things, also. If you get down the uh, uh, the side hustle uh, 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 rabbit hole, next thing you know, every single ad, third ad, is like you could be making five thousand dollars a week doing this. Mm, you no, could do ten thousand dollars a week. Shit. Understood. Yeah. But once you look at one or two, that's it. And I guess my question about starting businesses: yep. Did you come in with working capital, or did you? Hey, we I've got five grand to put in. I've got five grand to put in. Let's figure it out. Or did you kind of just go for it? We both have very different backstories. We are not the same journey. I mean, as as evidenced by my number of children. Um, <laughs> I I started, so I quit my sales job in, two, no, I didn't quit. No, I did quit. So they went, they were going bankrupt. And then the bank like basically kept on seven people out of 200. That was 2013 or 14. And I was top salesman at this VC backed um company, but my shares were worth nothing. Um, all I had had was a failed good job. So I couldn't even stay on for my resume. And Mm -hmm. I had, I think my sec, my second or third kid on the way. So it was go time. Like there was no months to miss in order to just keep my family afloat. So I had to make the difficult 
decision to either go get another sales job in tech, which, which is more than enough money we needed to survive or go the entrepreneur route, which is something, um, I watched my mom do growing up. So she became, um, financially independent after an exit, after building a, a tech business up from 12, the 12 years of kind of my junior high, high school, um, stretch. So it was in my brain. It was like in the family. And I was like, I, I just don't want to go back and do sales. Like it's such mm-hmm. a stressful environment and to make mediocre money that can help my family survive. But I'm still living with this anxiety of, and, and bad managers and all this shit. So, um, I, lost a lot of money over the next few years trying to do things. And um, when I say lost a lot of money, it wasn't like I had working capital. It was like I would make it in lump sums and, you know, I'd make $30,000 and then I'd burn it over the next four months. And then I would make $10,000 and I'd burn it that month. And I, whatever, like living expenses were my burn and juggling startup growth and personal finances at the level that a family of three, four, five, six, seven people needs was really hard in California. Um, so eventually I, um, ran an agency into the ground, a marketing agency. I could only afford to pay all my employees. I couldn't pay myself. Mm -hmm. And I had to shut down the, the 12 customers and the five employees because I didn't have enough capital for myself. So I did that and quit into my current role, which is CEO of this venture group. So I'm not the founder of the company that I run uh, or, or network of companies, I guess. I'm the CEO. So um, I actually do have a stable paycheck and we invest our own capital of the company's money and I'm a minority shareholder in the group. So the founder has the majority. He's an old friend of mine. He actually was my developer in my very first startup that I tr- attempted. So I paid him 30 grand to make me an app back when I was a salesman and he went on to start his own business and it it worked. He got it to its first million in revenue. Um, and it was pretty profitable on margins and that gave us the working capital to grow from there. So, um, COVID gave us some, some money, um, in like we had down, we had down quarters and COVID gave us some money because of the government programs to then diversify our business and put those into other smaller businesses that we could make this group out of. That's my story. Yeah, so my story is entirely different. Um, he's he's doing it probably all the right ways. I had to go right. completely different way. So when I started, I think I had about forty thousand dollars in in my bank account, and so that's what a lot of people would consider a lot of money. It's not a lot of money if you want to live life <laughs> and have a bit of security. Sure. And start a business. And so I went bootstrapping all the way. So I would look for any type of cheap arbitrage. So you look at a ring, you're like, oh, this is a silver ring. I can buy that silver ring for 10 bucks, sell it for 90 bucks. Sweet. If I do that 10 times, that's pretty good money right there. So that's how I would generally think of of things in terms of margin like that. The only business that I've done with capital um, so far is with Kindle on this idea drop. And he's been so kind to work with me on that. Um, Other things, I've just done things. Uh, For example, uh, last summer, I was working really hard on a, a strange idea called uh, Sauce Lubricants. It was for uh, edible sex lubes. For it's it's a weird story. Anyways, um, so I had to get uh, single serve. You missed the best part about yeah. It was single, single serve single lubricants, serve. and I worked my way through the FDA. I worked my way through every little hole yeah. and every loophole I had to go through. Um, 
The only problem was I didn't have the, it cost about $50,000 to start it off. And so I just started Crazy. knocking on doors of, of wealthier people and angel investors that I knew just to get that going. But that eventually just kind of uh, flatlined a little bit. But no, mine's more about the bootstrapping and the arbitrage on that side of it. What do you think? Okay, so these, to that point, and Gary, you know, obviously we talked about Gary V, but, you know, mm-hmm. he, he's making millions of dollars just doing yard sales and all this kind of shit. And it makes, it gets it in everyone's brain that anything's possible to do this thing as you've got yeah. smart investments, not smart investments, uh, but the oddest kind of investments that, that do crazy things, especially during COVID yeah. people made, made a ton of money. But what do you think of these, these things that come on TikTok about side hustle? Do they have any weight? Cause I actually physically reached out to one of them as a gag and been like, <clears throat> really? Cause yeah. I, I see a hundred million of you. Like I see a hundred of you every day on this thing. Are you all making a hundred thousand dollars a year on the side? No. Hustle? And she came back and she's like, Oh yeah, I'm killing it. And I'm like, okay. Then so, why are you um, making the video? Yeah. You're not, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Right. It was just a, fun, a very interesting thing. So in your opinion, and then we'll, we'll move on, but in your opinion on these things, is there any weight to those or would you direct people away from it or use portions of that to maybe portions starts portions portions yeah. yeah so so most of those are started by somebody who is a better teacher than they are a operator of a business sure so that's why you're seeing them is because the algorithm's favoring them because they're getting engagement and they might be better at communicating um, these concepts than actually executing it's really hard to know which ones were successful, which ones weren't. But in general, the pattern is they went and made $100,000 or they made a million dollars or they made $7 million. And then um, they don't talk about profit. They talk about revenues when they say they made. I made $7 million on XYZ Amazon FBA business. You're like, well, yeah, but it didn't, did it cost you 7.3 to like make the seven of revenue? So actually, are you just in $300,000 of like high interest loan debt and now you can't sustain the business. So you turn to content to convince me to go into that business. So that's where I think the real iceberg is. A lot of those aren't telling you net what you get to keep. They're, yeah. they're pretending that that made is, is profit, not revenue. So, um, however, I think if you would to absorb the free stuff, I I'm a big fan of pay for your education, like go, go pay for the courses or whatever that you, actually are going to execute against but go absorb the free stuff to know what your options are and i think that's where idea drop like kind of lives is we're we're like okay look ideas are a dime a dozen but if you don't know what you don't know then all you need and this is why people watch shark tank right they don't watch it for kevin o'leary or or robert like they watch it because it gets their creative juices going that people tend to apply it to themselves like i wonder if i should just get a cheap plastic doodad from China and then go try to make a brand out of it. Scrub Daddy just did like, I think it's $300 million of sales now. Um, (laughs) It's all possible, but I I don't think you should take most of what you hear at face value. Just ask yourself what their incentives are and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, Um, actually, if, Oh, let me touch one thing into there. No, go ahead, Dustin. Yeah, I hate ahead. I hate to say it. I, this sounds really harsh, but um, I kind of feel like it's the multi-level marketing of our era, right? So our parents right. had Mona V, our parents had yeah. Co- all <laughs> that kind of stuff. Avon, Avon, yeah, yeah, yeah all that stuff. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, you, yeah, you can probably make good money doing that stuff, um, but do you want to? Because you're just going to alienate your friends and 
that's what people are going to know you as, as the schmuck who's trying to push a product. And I just don't want to be that guy. So maybe you can, but I SNL do. just did a great thing. I think it was on Thanksgiving or Christmas. They do their annual, like, you know, uh, Christmas mm-hmm. time or whatever. And it, you know, there's always the, the uncle that does this or this. And then there's always the guy that comes in talking Bitcoin or talking this or that. Yeah. And by the end of the, by the end of the spiel at dinner, everyone's bringing their wallet out and giving them money and then they all go, Oh my gosh. It's funny. That's so, funny. so I, my favorite, my favorite type of, um, Hey, you can do this business and actually pull it off is Dustin's journey. So Dustin, like Dustin will make loads of money per hour to go into high end, um, production shoots, gigs. Uh, I, one season, the firefighters, um, what, what was it, Dustin? It was like streaming for the government on the wildfires in California. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Weird, weird spot that people would not normally think there's business there. But yeah. So so I like the way that he takes like that gig work and he fetches yeah. a, a high hourly rate and he doesn't sell all his hours. So he's not like, I, I actually work more than full time, you know, full time running this this thing I'm running. So that doesn't leave me with side hustle time to go sure. do something that I 100% own. Um, in my name. And I think most people need to quit their day jobs into a gig work arbitrage like Dustin's doing and protect about half their week and that half work on the scalable stuff that three years from now you want to be doing seven figures. But for the next three years, commit yourself to how do I make 80 grand or whatever I need to live off of Mm -hmm. in 20 hours a week? Like just solve for that one problem with your skill set and don't believe the hype of like, this is all you got to do to whatever, to to make a million dollars or 100K a year or that type of stuff is so out. Have you guys read the happiness equation? No, it's on my list. Is it actually good? Have you read it? No, it's really great because they break down, you know, who's the ha- ultimately who's the happiest and i'll get into i'll get into when we get into ideas i've got one yeah. in particular but you know yeah. i spend a lot of my time you know i travel the world for work it's my dream job it's all the rest of it but i you know missed a lot of rents and slept on couches for that gig yeah and what do you do i don't i don't i think run I, can... I run concerts for a living so you run, I run concerts con- That's i run awesome. concerts for a living so i travel with bands all over the world and and yep. run run their run the whole thing so i oversee like That's a awesome. tour a tour cycle uh, of a, of an artist over the course of two years. I kind of look over, you know, all their all their things. It's kind of awesome. complicated, but um, when you go to a show and you sit and you watch the band, everything that mm-hmm. led up to that and after we leave kind of falls into my lap. So you're the guy. Okay, Dustin. Dustin I'm, knows I'm, a lot about that world. It's I'm true. surrounded I, I by up. I'm surrounded by the guys and the girls but uh in the process they do call me sometimes for info (laughs) (laughs) hey what do i do for uh, yeah but you uh, put out the fires yeah so in the happiness equation they talk about like you know the the executive that makes say 500 grand a year on wall street that is working 120 hours a week and then you've got someone that maybe a regional manager of the gap that runs seven stores making about 125 working a little bit less and then you've got the school teacher making 45 grand a year but gets five months off a year that's right. So where's the value? Well, to me, the value is in the school teacher time. because you can time and time's the only thing you don't get back to me. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, I'm a, pro, I'm a proponent of time. I'm, I'm uh, time. That's okay. That's good. That's there's a slippery uh, scale to that though, because if you measure wealth and leisure time, which is how economics are built, um, sure. then the homeless person is the most wealthy person on earth. And so you have to include quality of leisure time sure. because I can have unlimited hours in hell and I would rather be dead in heaven. You know what I mean? Uh, 
I've never I, no, I understand what you're what you're saying from that side of it. I, I think it's just like I speak to and I'm sure you guys speak to dreamers, but also people that are miserable in their job. And it's yep. like oh, if, yeah. if there's just one little adjustment, you know, I have a friend of mine that was miserable in a job, left that job and got a, the greatest gig, one of the greatest gigs ever that gives him a four day on four day off schedule that he can bank a series of fours together to get 16 and 20 days off in a row. And I'm like, but he still gets mm. paid great. And it's like that is time. Time is the, the 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 highest commodity in the world to me, and you don't get it back. So, anyways, off topic a little bit, but I just I did I definitely I recommend re- reading that book because it, it definitely breaks down the equation of happiness. So, um, okay, gentlemen. So uh, you touched on it a little bit. Uh, this is more about the the podcast side of things now. Uh, mm-hmm. The Idea Drop podcast. How did you do it? How did it come together ultimately? Um, and the, the basic premise of the show. Um, Kendall, you want to do it or? So the podcast, so idea drop, the thought behind it was, Hey, let's build an audience that's worth actually having as our network. Right. So, so what is it? Who do we want to do business with and do life with? How do we make that sustainable and, and worth doing? back to your happiness comments, you know? And so we're like, well, entrepreneurs of a certain kind, people are actually executing, right? We kind of want to avoid the entrepreneurs and go like, no, these are the people doing this stuff. And, um, and what's the, how do we support them in a way that also has its own self-sustaining marketing method? My daughter's going to walk in here. Awesome. <laughs> the one new of, star of the show. One of, That's yep. hilarious. Hi, Sophie. Um, so, so here, let, let's all wave to Sophie. Oh, she's out. Yeah. Hi, Sophie. Hi, Sophie. One of, one of my team members called her away. Um, so the, the premise was, I think we can, I think we can make some content that both self markets, which is why you saw us on TikTok, right? Cause like it's self marketing, um, material, basically we don't have to do ad spend to get the material to grow. Um, but it also tends to attract people that we could do other businesses with. And Dustin and I are both interested in that and they would all look different. And over time, I think where we're going to take this is just, we'll just have a bigger network of businesses and we'll each have pieces of equity and some will fail and some will work. And um, we learn every time we do something. So we tend to get, you know, we tend to get better the longer we do this. So the actual um, idea to idea to idea where we string that along content is something that we premeditated as like, okay, we're just going to backwards engineer the Shark Tank thing. We're just going to go, why do people like it? And it's because it opens you up to concrete possibilities. So we're trying to do is give people possibilities, not a how-to. The how-to you can't really solve for an entrepreneur. They have to do it themselves and every personality is different in the way we don't know enough on how to pull out all these businesses. But we can point out patterns of how things work. So if we keep doing that, um, it lets people kind of creatively connect dots who are, who are around us and with us. And it lets us keep connecting dots. So we pulled it off by just coming up with that content and then committing to every week. Okay. Every Thursday, let's have a beer and let's yeah. talk about it. And we'll come with a little prep. I think we each do 30 minutes of prep and then we do an hour and a half recording and then we pay the editor and the social media manager to make it look good and good and be for consistent. you. That's the toughest thing about these shows is, and I'm doing it all myself because I just, it's so hard. It's That's insane. Real. But the, 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 the work that goes into these shows and, and I'm, I'm sure you guys sat down with a plan, 
to, um, you know, launch a show and have some fun, but everyone, you know, there's the classic, everyone's got a podcast, but people don't understand the work that goes into, oh, it's so much. you know, the post work that goes into, to these things, which is always like a, you know, there's so much content that has to go into just getting it, but clearly you guys are getting it right on the content side because that's how I found you. And, um, and I, and I got in on the show and, and now I'm telling everybody I'm, I'm even, you know, suggested it to Cryer Media, the network that I'm on. I'm like, we got to get these guys. I mean, what a great to be honest, for a show, it's helped. You know? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Like, it's helped our yeah. business networking. So, like, Dustin's going to have access to investors that he wouldn't have because of the show, because he can yeah. point to social proof of, like, look, I'm not an idiot. People like me. Some of the businesses that I'm talking about are sound. Other people are affirming it. I'm getting mm -hmm. access to um, people who would run businesses with our group. So... Both of those things are already working. I don't even think we're that big yet. So it's cool to like look at our growth charts and go, hey, I think if we just stay consistent without anything crazy, there's just a demand for this. We found a you know, product market fit. But podcasts themselves without the video, without the mm -hmm. social presence, they don't grow. Like there's no inherent way where they, at least they don't grow exponentially well. You have to I think crime. Spend. I think crime does because people like to listen <laughs> to crime, but they don't watch. I think the crime ones do. It's, or it's some crime and comedy, right? That's, those crime are the two. and comedy. I just, yeah, they hide absolutely. their numbers. Like how do they monetize? They don't, like relative to the cost of producing it, I think it's a bad business to be in. I, but... Yeah, podcasting. Yeah. I, d I just don't think that it pays the bills. I let me I, let me go reclip that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so sorry. Um, I, I was talking. I was playing poker um, in our conference room with some some business owners, and one of them is a pod. Like he he used to um, run political campaigns, yeah. and he helped the governor of Kansas like win the election one year or whatever, and. Um, then took his network from that and turned it into a political podcast. And the podcast is growing. It's bigger than our podcast, but his social media presence is tiny. And he still is like, I'm upside down on my editing costs and my production costs. And he's, he's significantly bigger than our podcast is, but mm. it, it really comes down to like, you can build an audience. How do you make sure you sustainably get some monetary value from that audience so that you can keep reinvesting into your content. Like that's why Mr. Beast is huge because he basically takes the principle of why would I take my money out? I'm just going to keep 
the money that brands pay me and put it back into the next video. It's sure. all he does obsessively. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing to watch. And I, you know, um, and it's, you know, the, the space is old, but brand new. To me, it's like it's been, you know, it kind of came in and everyone was it's like, been oh, renovated. Cool. But it's mm-hmm. it's really a thing now, especially on the video, which is why I'm on here with Restream and stuff. It, it helps mm-hmm. me and it helps, you know, post editing and and just being able to go, OK, that's done. I think I can pull a little bit of stuff in and do, you know, a little bit of post and then kind of move on. Given my schedule, it's a mm-hmm. little bit tough. I don't have access to the, the social media manager stuff. So it's a bit of a mm-hmm. slog um, but to your point. You really got to love what you do. And really, I just like it's just called the story of people podcast. So I just love listening to people's stories. And if it goes somewhere, great. You, I mean, it got you've me got a pretty coffee. good setup. Yeah. I mean, you've got a pretty yeah. good setup because you have a continuous Rolodex of people that you're ingesting every single day. That's new spread. Um, Sorry, I totally interrupted you, but let me say this really quick here. I do think it's going to be huge for businesses and brands. I think um, the era of podcasts is going downhill for local people, local influencers. Like when Kendall said, hey, we should do a podcast, I said – uh sure i like getting beer with kindle twice a week or whatever that is um, <laughs> that was legitimately my incentive because i just like hanging out with kindle so that's a pretty pretty damn good start for me but for most people uh it's, it's not going to monetize well but i do think the change will be with brands and them talking about their content their brand yeah. their every single thing there they have the money they have the budget to clip it put it on social yeah. media and that's how they're going to find success that so there you go that's so, so um Spotify is buying a ton of podcasting companies up. HubSpot Mm. is making a huge podcasting network. Um, Some of these big players are putting big money into the acquisitions of the the good content out there. And that tends to be an indicator of the future. So when you start seeing like people buying instead of starting things, that's when they already can do the internal um, analytics that are, this is working. If we, put in X dollars to acquire this, then we will get Y results. Um, and I, like I was talking to this guy, Charlie, I met through one of my groups online. Um, we get on a zoom call and he's like, yeah, I just bought podcasts.com. I'm like, that, like, is it a, is it a software? Is it a website? Is it, you just a domain? He's like, just domain. I'm like, how much does a domain like that cost? And I, it's not seven figures, but it's not far off. And sure. I'm like, why, why would you spend that much money on podcast.com? He's like, well, cause Spotify is going to buy it. Of course, like they can't live not owning this domain. Like it's going to be easy for me. He's just thinking like, I'm flipping a house. Like what, what do you yeah. mean? How am I going to monetize it? So it is really interesting when, when the market gets to that level of predictability of if you put in X effort or money, mm. Y result will come. It's, it tells you. It, it's funny because of how that's gone to, you know, I'm sure we all know domain flippers, like people that just went ahead and grabbed, you know, different domains. I, I used to, back in, I think, 1997 or 98, I used to work in a casino and I would meet tons of people like, you know, that would play the tables. And I asked the guy what he did for a living. And he goes, yep. I take brands that no, I, I find out where brands aren't registered and I buy them in that market. Yep. So he finds out where Reebok isn't you know, yep. registered for whatever reason. And he goes, and then they just pay me when they, like, they don't even yep. argue. They just, they're just like, whatever. And that's how yep. we did it. And that was the early phase of that. And now I'm finding that like these domain.coms and all these different things are getting bought up uh, to your point. Cause content is everything. Um, and that content's obviously. I can't even get everything. miramar.com. I've been trying to get miramar.com, but some billion dollar company like acquired a company that used to be called yeah. Miramar and they just park the domain. It's just forwarding to something else. 
And it drives me crazy because I'm like, that's literally our brand. Sure. I, I want the .com. So I had to settle for the .co, which was five grand. And so somebody made, you know, probably $4,500 off that domain to me. And the yeah. .com, like we would pay significantly more, but it, it, it interests me that right now we're seeing in media such a predictability of big players getting involved. They, post-COVID especially, everything moved remote. And the way the algorithms work is they serve you up on a silver platter things that you will like, and the algorithms are really good at it. And brands know that is predictable audience. So if they build things that people like, they will get audience. And they don't have to um, have ad spend as a, like basically Facebook and Google had a monopoly on your ad spend over the last 20 years, right? And that we're moving away from that because now you can, own the distribution lines of your content, of your your ad traffic can be yours. It's going to be interesting to see where everyone, uh, what, what the options will be, though, um, if TikTok gets shut down here, you know, in North oh, America, yeah. you know, and it's going to be, it's, you know, that, which is why I think they're, you know, and we'll move on, but I think that's where, why everyone's pushing YouTube shorts so hard now because of, you know, that's not going anywhere. So, right. Uh, gentlemen, what will you do next? What's the plan for Idea Drop podcast, uh, yourselves, all the rest of it? But uh, yeah, the final question of the pod, what will you do next? Okay, so for the podcast, very short, we're going to keep on going and we're going to keep on making more content. Um, and we have a few branches that we're kind of exploring, like how should we go? Uh, one side that we know we want to keep on going is we have a community of people who are building. We just want to keep on growing that because it's fun to hang out with people who are doing stuff kind of like we are doing stuff and that's great so we love that that we're just going to double down on that um we'd like to maybe with some people in that community start some businesses with them and so that yeah. will continue to go uh the other thing that i'd like to do with it is um growing up i was really poor it was really hard for me to figure out how to start a business and so i found out the hard way and the hard way was a lot of blood sweat and tears and so i'd love to make those steps a little bit more accessible to people who are kind of like where I was 10 years ago. Um, so just more courses um, and even just uh, videotaping the process of starting businesses. So with the the podcast, that's at least that's what I have in my mind. Kendall, what do you think? Yeah, we've also played around with the idea. We, we were calling it pub pitch. We ran a test. We didn't have the time to do it justice, but um, we might come back around to some of these things where we would go to college towns, university towns, and um, kind of meet that earlier, younger age audience where they're at. And they're, they're asking themselves a question like, do I really want to get this degree and then go get this, you know, 100K mm -hmm. job and, and work the 60 hours or in private equity, 120 hours, whatever it's required to do that? Or do I want to do something more creative and bet on myself? It's a really hard decision to, to make. And so we've talked a lot about taking our stories and the stories of other um, business builders to that scene. Um, it's just really like, will we have the time for that this year? I think we're both committed to like, we're going to do a thousand episodes of idea drop, but the, um, where we take it will kind of be time and energy dependent, right? We both right now put in hours a week, but we don't yet put in 40 hours, right? So our team is four of us. There's two people you don't see on idea drop and there's two people that you do see. Um, so if our team gets bigger, we can do a lot more and that'll be dependent on funding. So if the community 
um, gets to a big enough size. Like we charge people $37 a quarter to be in that community. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way right now, because we refuse to, to take on ads so far, that we've brought in any revenue. And it feels like this um, very like reasonable thing. It, it kind of holds a no spam people join the community, sure. but it's only 37 bucks every three months. So it's not hard for people to afford if they actually find value in it. But then for us, it actually gives us the money that we need for editing and it gives us the money we need for administration and behind the scenes stuff so we can keep building confidently. That's great. It's a great show, an amazing premise. My, my favorite uh, new podcast, as I mentioned, I, I just did a bunch of flights from the Middle East and Africa and uh, it kept me company. So thank you for oh, that. Good. Uh, yeah. um, I haven't uh, seen your Apple review come through yet, Brenton. No, well, you know what? Sorry, I haven't. Uh, I haven't done that, and, and I keep. I'm so guilty of this. I actually, you know, all the things like subscribe, uh, five stars. Yeah, I don't Apple, do any of it either. Do the whole thing. I I did that when I first started the Brenton on Tour podcast. You know, a hundred episodes ago, and then I was like, uh, everyone does that. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, just yeah. like, you know, it's it's like it's it's a meme now. People are like, like, like subscribe. It is a so, meme. Uh, it's yeah, it's, it's hard to feel like you're selling out. You just, but you still have to find a growth method, and you have to totally. tell the algorithms people like us. So yeah, and we've got a, I've got a good, uh, you know, there's somebody on the network that I'm on that's a you know builds pods and builds networks for a living, and he's been great. So he's he's guiding us there, and he's he's getting us to to a good spot. Cryer uh, Media, but, but, good job, Cryer Media. But guys like you uh, making time for me uh, is going to help grow it, which is awesome, and I appreciate it. So uh, I want to leave with some ideas. Uh, obviously, you guys have the idea drop podcast. Uh, you drop ideas. Um, one little question about that: you give perm- like you don't. There's no intellectual ownership there, right? You drop it, you throw it out there, and if someone snags it, you're like, well, good, no, good, good on you, good on like you, right? Krispy Kreme donuts. I mean, it's a baker's yeah, I've seen dozen. people. No, I've seen people snag them actually at this point already. I've seen stuff where like, wait a minute, that's what we talked about six months yeah. ago and it's already up there. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, the, the whole premise is it's completely free. Uh, ideas are easy. Implementation is hard. So yeah. all right. We go so um, let's go with, uh, I've got a couple, but I want to I want to hear what you guys got first. Um, why don't you give us an example uh, of an idea that either okay. you haven't dropped on the show or an idea that you think people sure. might think is really cool. Okay, so AI is really trending right now and I'm tired of AI business ideas because that's all that I see on my TikTok feed right now. But I'm gonna give you a fresh take on an AI business idea that I had today. Um, they call they call the skill of talking to, you know, chat GPT-3, like prompt craft. Whatever AI you're interacting with, prompt craft is basically like saying Googling. Um, so if you could create a treasure trove of assets. I I have some buddies that are doing this for their businesses, but actually create um, some tried and true prompts that are ready to go that help people like break their writer's block on how to talk to AI and then just sell that for 19 bucks for these 150 prompts that actually get you. It's a content play, but you just have to make a list of 150 of these. You could do that this week and obsess over it. Spend a week obsessing over it, make sure you're getting good results but then put those in a Google Doc, save that as a PDF with your brand, go on TikTok, talk about it and say, if you want all 150 to make your life easier, it's 20 bucks. Connect it to Stripe and there you go. I love this plan. This is a good plan. AI is crazy right now. So uh, yeah, I- uh, Totally it's, crazy. It's, it's absolutely crazy, but uh, cool. Can't avoid it. It's like, you know, we gotta 
bring people kicking and screaming into it, but it's it's definitely going to become a thing. Uh, yeah. Dustin, what do you got? All right, some ideas. Here we go. Gosh, so I've got a list right here, and it's um, something we're sitting around four hundred ideas or something like that. Um, <laughs> but I'll just throw a few your way, and then tell me if you think of it. My wife and I just started seventy five hard. We couldn't find any good seventy five hard workout plans, so I said, "Oh my gosh, anybody who's a fitness influencer, sell your seventy five hard." gymming plans boom that's easy money right there gymming uh, plan what's a gym yeah just plan? like you go to the gym and i don't know what, what am i supposed to work out twice a day for oh, 75 days steps. in a row Sell yeah me exactly the steps. i would boom easy money right there i would happily happily pay that um uh in america we have a hard time with getting around liquor laws so talking about starting a club we have a friend who's starting a club that uh is tokenized in order to get into it you need to have an nft token to get into their mm. wine club however i think that you could just do it with a club itself thereby circum uh Venting. just getting out yeah i don't know what I'm um getting out of the liquor law problem right there so that's one right there um, so, so on that one i really like taking mm -hmm. the club concept because for people who don't know mm -hmm. if you are a part of an exclusive club they can serve you a certain amount of liquor without a liquor license if you're in a private club, there has got to be a way to make that club um, not franchisable, but like um, other businesses can then use the club extension. So use their bylaws, use their legal entity, use sure. their processes and not get a liquor license and basically serve it on their private premises. Um, those types of things. But what about like a liquor license consultant? Like every time I've wanted to get into a business uh, that requires liquor, mm -hmm. I don't know who to call. Like if you're 200 bucks an hour and you're the consultant that actually knows California laws for this, I, it's like a lawyer. There's got to be. There's got to be something. Like I know a buddy of mine just opened a place in Vegas and he had a guy kind of show yeah. up and it'd be like, you got to do this and you got to do that. And, uh, yep. you know, and, and that, so they must exist, but yes, your they point. must exist. So to start the business though, to make that feel accessible to people, like you can go read and obsess over laws and then sure. run ads on Google for yourself as a liquor license consultant. Right. That's yep. good. Oh, I have one. Uh, you travel a lot. I want to see what you think. I've been trying to push this idea and I want to see if anybody thinks this is a good one. It's location based Twitter. So if you go to a location, you can see the conversation that is happening there or has happened right there in a certain amount of time. Mm. So you don't know what the conversation is until you get to X location. Like at the venue. At the venue. So 20 days ago at this venue, somebody said this, or it's just always updating real time wherever the location is. Interesting. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, it depends on how big of a Twitter head you are. I mean, I guess that's part of it, but yeah. um, I like it. No, I, I mean, anything real time, old time. You know, I think it's a good idea. So, uh, especially when you're, you know, I talk to a million people a day on these gigs, so it's mm -hmm. cool to, and I ask a lot of questions, you know, I'm just in South Africa and it's like, tell me about this, tell me about this, tell me about this. So it'd be great to have a bit of a, I just don't there. like those businesses that require a bunch of risky capital and you have to like convince That's millions of people to mm -hmm. use it. Right. That's exactly yep. it. Exactly. It. Uh, do you have any, like, you're in the entertainment industry. Are there any? Yes. Like I've got two. Okay. Oh, I've got please. some, I've got one here that I want to, okay. They kind of go together a little bit. No, no, they don't actually. Let me go. Okay. So uh, the, in our world, when bands play live, you know, they can submit their set lists and they get, 
you know, PRS, they get uh, performing rights stuff from like ASCAP, BMI. I'm sure you know a little bit about that. That's how they get paid. The controversy mm-hmm. around Spotify not paying artists enough or YouTube, right. like how are they how right. are they monetizing it, et cetera, et cetera, streaming. So um, I think I would love a program for these artists and it, and it can be even movies and actors and all the rest of it. I think it would be really beneficial to all involved if there was an instant payment for a stream or a live performance. So the second you get off the stage, it's like you're not waiting eight months to, de- to determine whether you just played Cape Town, South Africa or LA. The second yeah. you got off stage, it's already registered and the $9 is already in your account. Yeah. And the reason I say this is because most of the artists have to wait forever and then they got to do a full and they can't cash Spotify, and they can't do this and they mm. do that. Whereas if they actually got credit for the songs they just played live, uh, the, um, what else? Uh, and, and it's happening a bit on NFT form. Like uh, artists are getting yeah. some of that ownership back. But the idea is like the second that song is played on the radio, you get paid for it. Yeah, so I you think can, you can nice. track your earnings in real time. You can track something in real time. And then on YouTube, for instance, uh, hey, you just played the video. Um, <clears throat> I don't know who your favorite band is, but let's just say Metallica just made a dollar and nine cents for this for you playing this video, um, of which 19 cents of that they decided. This is a good idea. Charity. You know, yeah, if you a- had enough capital, you could actually start this up and just charge the middleman fee. Say, hey, you keep one percent of all of it and then. Everybody, you can choose. Do you want to make your money eight months later or do you want to make it now? Totally. And a lot of there's PRS companies that that will track it and they will go after, you know, BMI or sorry, they'll go after the label afterwards. They'll go after ASCAP Mm -hmm. or SoCan or any of these afterwards saying you are a client this. But I think if an algorithm or or, or something was built that was like we just did uh, 110 shows, we got paid after every single show. It instantly went into our account and uh, Spotify, we had 150,000 streams today. We got paid on that today. I think you would see a, it's a, powerful. a more, it's, yeah. it's a powerful thing. So and, uh, that's I, I want to clarify. So, so, and th- this is, so to summarize what you guys are saying, you guys just said two different things, but there's your concept, Dustin, of being the middleman and giving them an option to get paid out instantly. Are you saying like you would go make the partnerships with the usual suspects that normally pay out the royalties and the licensing and they would keep extra fees kind of like square cash or Apple cash. If you like transfer the money now that it's a 1% fee or a 2% fee. Is that what uh, you're saying? I get it's, I don't know your industry um, to the degree that you do, but basically it's a bridge loan, right? You would, you would think of it like that. Um, okay. The, yeah. Yeah. The I, concept is, is interesting because they have to wait a long time to get paid on these things yeah. and it, you always hear the artists go well we you know we had a five billion streams and we made you yeah. know 907 dollars <laughs> i yeah. i'm a i'm a how guy so what i'm fascinated by what you guys just said is i i can see how to actually pull off this business yeah. um there's two different business approaches one brenton you're saying um if you built the whole platform to get paid instantly you might actually take market share from some of the big players. Now that's going to be incredibly capital intensive and difficult. Sure. Doable though, if you're backed and you're the right person with industry experience to pull it off, that would take market share. But what Dustin, I think a riff off of what you're saying to like get paid out earlier, instead of doing a bridge loan method, if you just take that experience you have on like PayPal or Apple Cat or Apple Pay or Cash or Venmo, where it's instant 
transfer to my checking account and you click that button, but it's at a loss, right? You pay them like 1.5% fee mm-hmm. or something. Those fees add up so much. Um, but human behavior is I want it right now. So mm-hmm. I think if you made the middleman plugin, just a tech for that to work, mm-hmm. it would, you, it would basically use NFT technology, right? It use blockchain. Um, I think the big players would adopt that because you would be giving them, let's say 70% of the fees collected and you would keep 30% of those little fractional fees, but it'd be a lot of transactions. So artists can choose. It's Superman three. Superman three. What's Superman? Superman three with Richard Pryor. He found all the little, little, he found all the little cents from the company and transferred them into his bank account. I mean, I would just call that office space. (laughs) Isn't that what they did? It was a rounding error on office space. Exactly. It's office space and Superman three. And then one more from, for me, we were talking about happiness and the equation and all the rest of it. Mm. I think there needs to be a site uh, called dreamjob.com. And what this is, it's a, it works like kayak or it works like hotels.com or it works like uh, any of these things where it compiles all of the dream jobs potentially in the world that people are posting. Cause right now you get the, the interview, you get the, the, the random articles like move to Greece and they'll buy you a house. But like mm-hmm. that is like over here and it's over here. I think with what's going on with Not people bad. and coming out of COVID and coming and trying to decide yep. how they want to spend their time. If you had an opportunity to go, Hey, did you know that in this part of New Zealand, if you move there right now, they will build you a house, pay you $150,000 a year. However, you're in the middle of nowhere and you're going to get food dropped to you once every two weeks. But it's like, it's, it's this idea of a site that compiles every single potential dream job in the world or out of the box job in the world or gets people thinking about something else. And it's in one spot. Now it might exist in some kind of Smaller no, but form. the kayak version of it doesn't exist. At yeah, the kayak, kayak version. The kayak version of it. And then you would see, you, number one, just the traffic alone of people trying to search, you, you know, your instant monetization of ad space is just like, oh, you, you get, get paid. We get, we get 10 get million people better. a day. That, yeah, we get 10 get million people a day. So, totally. so, yeah. So, so that, anyways, that's because I, I live in that space where I talk to people all the time about, happiness their dream jobs their dream jobs or whatever and or even something different because i'm you know i'm 47 it's like i came through this moment of like you're going to be a plumber you're going to work at general motors you're going to be a police officer a doctor or this no one told me that you could travel for work no one told me that you could do this or that you know having that job of like did you know that you could also do this the 100 or 200 dollars you would make on on those affiliate placements like per per like person who actually goes through and starts talking and interviewing with hr at whatever company that was like those stack up way more than than ads ad fees are driven down to the bottom but hrps when they're recruit hr fees like they're recruiting people and paying twenty thousand dollar headhunting fees to get the right candidate they're willing to pay 150 bucks for a good candidate just to interview and that's how you make your money in those types of plays um, I think this, here. Oh, dude. Okay. So I actually think this is a huge, huge, huge good idea. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit similar to you. So I spent a lot of time uh, working and living abroad. I, I lived in Asia and taught English. I, I worked for a cruise line and traveled the world, did the whole bit, right? Um, and we are now, we're not even now, we are at a remote working culture and it's only going to grow and inflame mm-hmm. further from there. And then, of course, it'll swing the other side. However, um, if you do this, this could totally work. I have seen people do this in a sense where they say, hey, uh, you want to move to Portugal? I'll 
help you break through the barriers that it takes to get there because it's it's not hard. It just it takes somebody who can speak the local sure. language and, and help you jump through those hoops. But on a major commoditized platform like that, like Kayak, this could be good. I, I'm really in. Good, I've got 500 really bucks idea. to give you guys to start it, okay? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so um, so the, the, because we have a software engineering company, I'm like way too familiar with the cost that it actually takes to pull things like this off. And I hate sure. it. I hate it. Of course. Um, but the money is always there if you validate something. So like investment capital, this is what I think a lot of people without the direct experiences don't realize. If you validate something um, and you show the up into the right growth met metrics and an investor can just look at it and go, Yep, makes sense. They will give you the capital for 10, 20, 30% of your business. If you are just going at an idea level and saying, I need the capital in order to build this, sure. then it's so you're going to beat your head against the wall finding an investor willing to take that level of risk. And to yeah. do it, they would need more than half your business. And so it doesn't mm -hmm. make sense. So finding a way to validate it is the most important part, but there's a hack for that. You could literally make the landing page on Squarespace or Wix or Google, whatever. Yeah. You can make that yourself yeah. and claim that you're the kayak of, you know, dream jobs. Sure. And then run paid ads and measure every single and, and keep running them until you've improved them and honed them to where you can see the click through. Then go fundraise with your charts in hand. You can go to the investors mm -hmm. and go, look. I'm in. You guys can have 90%. I just want 10. <laughs> Dude, um, Dustin, let's replay it on Idea Drop and let's find somebody to run this business. We all uh, can I think be it's a good idea. Investors. Yeah, I love this uh, plan. Gentlemen, I really appreciate the time today. We ran a little over. I, I really appreciate you guys making the full hour here. I, I didn't want to keep you this long because uh, you're oh, busy. You're but uh, Idea Drop uh, Podcast.com. It's my new favorite podcast. It should be yours as well. Uh, anything, any closing statements for our, our listeners and watchers, gentlemen? Uh, okay, I got one. Um, if you are thinking about starting a new podcast, don't come listen to ours. And also, if you hate your job and you find yourself <laughs> drinking too much on the weekends, that's usually because you should start, a, start a business. No, don't start oh, a podcast. Oh. You'll lose money. Um, that's, my, that's my spiel. And become more of an alcoholic. All right. It's good show. <laughs> nice to meet you, Brenton. That's really great stuff, everybody. Uh, that's Do Did Will, the story of people podcast for another week. Thanks to Dustin and Kendall from Idea Drop Podcast. As I mentioned, my new favorite. We'll see you next week, folks. I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators, but we've got lots more to share. We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. Where's this luck? I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.